What's going on, everyone, and welcome back. I hope everyone had a good and uneventful work week. Like I mentioned before, my partner left for a better job opportunity, so I'm back to playing Mystery Medic. And I looked on the schedule this week, and I noticed that I was partnered with someone who I don't really like to work with. Every time I've worked with them, we get some critical call, and we've gone to innovate someone, and it's been unsuccessful. So this week, I want to talk a little bit about innovation. Uh, you know, we'll talk about what innovation is, when you innovate, and what your role as an EMT is while your paramedic is innovating the patient. So after this quick message from our sponsor, we'll talk a little bit about the topic of intubation. Now, let me just start off by saying that I am not a paramedic. I'm just an EMT, so I am not able to innovate. And to be perfectly honest with you, I would totally be fine if we never had to innovate patients. But sometimes reality punches you in the face, and you do have to innovate the patient. So what is intubation? Intubating is the process of taking an ET tube, also known as an endotracheal tube, and sliding it down the patient's trachea so you take over the patient's airway and you breathe for them. Now, the paramedic uses a laryngoscope with either a Mac or Miller-style blade, and the blade has a light on the end of it, so when the medic lifts up the patient's tongue, they can visualize the patient's vocal cords so the medic knows that they're going down the correct path in your throat. Because in your throat, you have two different paths. You have the esophagus, which brings food and liquids to the stomach, and you have the trachea, which brings air into the lungs and expels carbon dioxide. Now, not to get too much into detail, but when you are drinking or eating, there's a little flap that covers your trachea called the epiglottis, and that prevents food and water from getting into your lungs. Anyway, off track a little bit, but that's how the anatomy of the, the throat works. So when intubation occurs, the tube goes down the trachea, allowing us the ability to breathe for the patient. Now, why do we intubate? We intubate because the patient either isn't breathing or is having difficulty breathing. And all other means of trying to help the patient breathe has failed. When I was in school, and I've also heard this by a few different medics in the field, but when I was in school, my teacher told me, always go from least invasive to invasive. So start with oxygen. You know, depending on their saturation level, you decide what oxygen therapy treatment to start with. If someone's at 90%, I'm probably going to start them on a nasal cannula at 4 liters a minute. Whereas somebody who's at 88%, I'll probably be giving them a non-rebreather at 15 liters a minute. And you just keep going down the list of what you can give them. But if they still aren't improving, then obviously you go into the more invasive. So... Intubating is considered when the patient can't breathe or when you decide that the patient can't maintain their own airway and needs advanced assistance.
Now, what what is your job as an EMT when the medic decides to innovate? Well, you're going to be setting everything up for them. The medic is going to, you know, be doing the IV if one isn't established yet. They're going to be gathering their drugs to sedate the patient if needed. They'll be doing the drug calculations. There's a lot that goes into it. So as the EMT, you will be getting the ET tube out and prepped. You'll be setting up the laryngoscope, making sure that the blade that the medic likes is on and the light works. You'll be grabbing the BBM to prepare for oxygenation before and after the innovation. You get your backup airway prepped just in case innovation fails. I mean, it becomes very serious when you have to innovate somebody, and you better be on your A game because you are preparing to stop your patient from breathing so you can control their airway and breathe for them. So you need to check your equipment before you start off your shift. Familiarize yourself with the back of your ambulance so when you need something, you know exactly where it is and you can get to it quickly. Where I work, in the cabinets, we keep everything in numbered bins. And if you ask me, you know, the contents of bin two, to be honest with you, I would have no idea what's in there. But if you ask me for something specifically... I know exactly where it is in the truck, and I can grab it for you really quickly. You know, EMTs are very good at knowing their trucks because we primarily take care of the trucks. We restock it when it needs supplies. We make sure it's fueled and ready to go, make sure it's clean. The ambulance is our baby, you know, and you need to take care of it and everything inside of it. Like I've said, I'm working with someone I don't like working with. But sometimes you just have to suck it up and be professional and deal with it. Uh, He's been a a paramedic for a very long time, and he knows his shit. Don't get me wrong. He knows what he's doing. But any time that we've had critical calls where the patient needed to be innovated, he wasn't able to do it. Now, like I said before, I'm not a paramedic. And I do understand that there are some people who are very difficult to innovate. But the five critical calls that I've had with him, he has never successfully intubated a patient. We've had to go to our backup airway, which is a king tube. That's what we use as our backup. And even then, there have been two times that he was unable to correctly position the the airway. And so a king tube is a blind insertion airway. So you just stick it in and forget So I don't know how you could mess that up. And to make it worse, when they get frustrated and can't complete the task, they take their frustration out on you and you just have to take it because you can't sit there and argue inside someone's home during a critical call. Of course, afterwards, you can bring it up and tell them, you know, hey, go fuck off and never talk to me like that again. But in the moment, you have to suppress your emotions and deal with it. I remember I was working with him one time, and we get a call for CPR in progress. Now, this call was like way out in the middle of freaking BFE, and it took us about 20 minutes to get there. The sheriff's office beat us to it, and he was doing, the the deputy was doing compressions 
on the patient while he was still on the bed. The patient was a pretty heavy guy, and it took three of us to move him off the bed and onto the floor. The medic asked if the arrest was witnessed, and the wife said that he saw him collapse. So because it was witnessed, the medic decided to work the code, even though the downtime was around 20 minutes. This time, he never tried to innovate. Okay, the medic went, went straight for the king tube, and he placed it down the esophagus. So whenever we bagged the patient, the air actually went into the stomach, and we could tell straight away that the tube was placed in the esophagus because the stomach started to distend. Uh, bagging became increasingly difficult, and when you would put pressure on the stomach or the abdomen, air would come back out of the king tube. You know, so I asked him, I was like, hey, do you want to try and reposition the airway? And, you know, he, he replied to me, no, it's fine. All we can do is EMTs, even though sometimes we may be right. All we can do is make slight hints and suggestions to the paramedic as to what should happen. Now, the medic is either going to listen or is going to completely ignore you. In the end, the paramedic makes the decisions. That's why they go to school longer, they get paid a little more, and they can uh, do more do more stuff for the patient. You know, and if you don't agree with the medic you're working with, talk to them about it after the call. That that that's where both of you learn from each other. Learn how something could have been done better, and you learn how how to work better with each other by doing that. But going back to the improperly placed king tube, if you decide to work a code, in my opinion, work the damn code. Don't half-ass shit. Even with a downtime of 20 minutes, you still might get lucky and get a pulse back. Who knows? If you say we're going to work it, well, I'm going to do and give everything I can, whether that means doing solid compressions, getting you equipment quickly, or set, setting something up for you. I'm going to do the best job I can to give the patient the best possible chance, even though we might both know that there is no chance for the patient at all. You know, if I'm going to give it my all, then you as well better be doing your best. You can't half-ass this shit in this job. You have to show up for work knowing that you are going to do the best you can. You know, it's, it's just like late calls. I get it. We all have lives, and there's things we want to do after work. But run the call because that's your job. Working with the same guy, we had a call come in out, came out for chest pain. And the call came out about 10 minutes before shift change, and our relief hasn't showed up yet. I get in the ambulance, I get everything set, ready to go, and he comes walking up to the driver's side of the ambulance, and he won't get in. He calls the supervisor on the cell phone, saying that he needs to get his kids, and that the supervisor needs to give the call to another crew. I mean, thank God this patient who called wasn't fucking dying because the medic refused to run the call. I get it. 
10 minutes left to go in your shift, but that's still a call that comes out during your shift, so we should take it. Luckily, the crew showed up, relieved us, and I hate I really hated giving that call to them because number one, it didn't give them any time to check out the truck. So if anything was wrong, they didn't know about it. It didn't give them time to restock the truck, so they didn't know what they were getting into. But if if the call comes in during your scheduled shift, run the call. I mean, it it is what it is. That's why we sign up. It's a 24-hour job, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We answer calls. But let me know if you've ever experienced working with somebody like that. Message me on Instagram at emt underscore life underscore podcast and tell me some of your stories or ask any questions you might have. I will always answer. You know, I really enjoy being able to communicate and interact with y'all. Also, if you wouldn't mind giving this podcast a rating on whichever listening platform you listen on. I mean, it only takes a few seconds and it will only help this podcast continue to grow. As always, I want to wish everyone a great weekend and God bless.